Hey everybody, this is Brian, your friendly neighborhood dungeon master and the host of Cannon Fodder. If you want to learn even more about the Fractured Realms and also discover brand new playable content, DM tips and tricks, and interviews with interesting people in the TTRPG community, consider checking out the 20-sided newsletter. It's a free bi-monthly email newsletter that delivers a ton of cool content and keeps you up to date on all the latest projects within the 20-sided podcast universe. To subscribe, you can click on the link below in the show notes or go to 20sidedpodcasts.substack.com. Thanks. Hello and welcome to Cannon Fodder, the supplementary show to the 20-sided podcast all about world building and lore. This is an exercise in collaboration, improvisation, and storytelling where we build a world one piece at a time. And each week, our guests will determine which piece we'll be building by spinning the wheel of world building. Last week, we made a whole bunch of food out of mud. That's right. We started with mud and we made food. Anything is possible with this wheel. Anything is possible on this show. And remember, whatever we come up with, no matter how crazy, will become canon within the Fractured Realms and within the 20-sided podcast itself. We have the fate of the world in our hands. But no pressure. It's going to be fun. This week's guest is going to be a lot of fun for sure. If you're in the market for hot takes, this is probably going to be the episode for you. You might have seen this guest perform around New York or heard him on podcasts like Political Therapy, Come At Me Show, or currently on Nerdy for 30 with our former guest and 20-sided podcast cast member, Kevin Bauer. Or maybe you've also had your favorite secret restaurant savaged by his Instagram account, Spot or Not, one of my personal favorite shows. But no matter where you know him from, we're going to have a fun time. It's Tim Keck. Hey, Brian. So excited to be here, man. This is you have a great intro voice. Oh, thank you. Incredible intro voice. You just you just turn it on and you did that whole thing while fending off a cat. Yeah, the it, no, I, 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 I should but. I should actually use the, the video of this in some promo. But one of my cats was just like walking all around just like, no, 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 not the microphone, not the microphone. <laughs> and then, of course, the second I finished that intro, he, he goes away. He's like, oh, you're you don't. This is an inconvenient now. Oh, it's no fun. <laughs> I hope that happens every podcast you do. Just for the intro, he comes on like he's got to help, like like the band on the late night talk show. He's just got to play you on and then yeah. he heads off his way because he doesn't want to hear me. He just wants to hear you. Yeah, he's just the the like plucky uh, late night sidekick. He just wants to like get in his few lines that kind of like step on the host jokes. Exactly. You know, he's just got to exactly. like he's got to earn his paycheck. <laughs> yeah, you should try talking to him in your intro voice because you do hit like a different octave or I don't know anything about music or vocals, but you're, you you hit a different note. And maybe yeah, something yeah, yeah. about that resonates with cats. It resonated with me and maybe it resonates with cats. You know, if, if you have a cat, take out your headphones, play this on loud. Just go back to the intro and see what the cat does. <laughs> Let us know. Let us know in the comments. <laughs> Please do. Please do. Tim, what is just kind of start off on, on a broad note? You've played D&D a few times before. I, we've played a few times before together. How did you get started into like the D&D space? Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I am super in the D&D space. I, I love I like it, but I have I feel like so many of the my D&D friends now were like burdened with this at a young age, <laughs> you know, and I and I did not I did not have to do this. I was like a Marvel kid. You know, sure. I was reading the comic books like that was my my cross to bear and like fantasy books. And I was reading all these things. 
and was like nerding out about that stuff. And then as an adult, just somehow everybody I know, maybe it's like a stand up thing or a comedy thing, but everybody I know is like playing D&D or or knew about D&D or mm-hmm. had been playing for a while or played when they were kids and were getting back into it. And it just like seemed very popular. And I remember we played a game and I was kind of like, eh, this is OK. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not it's not my favorite thing. I'm like, I don't really get the hype. And then by my roommate, Pat Wise was really trying to get me back into it. And I started like watching more stuff and like Dimension 20. Mm-hmm. And uh, read more about it and start listening to your podcast. And I just like I feel like I get it now. I feel like you know, like I'm starting to get like I'm not in the world, but I can appreciate the world sure. way, way more than I did before. I think really what it is, is the, the first time you you like sit through and watch like a two or four hour podcast or video of people just playing D&D with all the like ums, ahs and pauses that come with that. If you get through that and have a good time, you are all of a sudden find yourself just indoctrinated into this world. <laughs> it, it's a strange little little draught that you drink in that moment. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's super great. Like the analogy I've I've come up with, because like this past weekend, I took some friends who'd never been before. It's like a wrestling show. And I like I got wrestling's another thing I got into late, like in college, like all the stand ups were doing were into wrestling. Mm-hmm. And so like if you watch wrestling on TV, it's very easy to be like, oh, this is clearly fake and not fun. Right. But then if you go to a wrestling show and it's like 300 people and they're, they're interacting with the audience and like heckling and stuff, you walk away being like, oh, I don't know if this is my favorite thing, but I, I definitely get this. Like, I get why people are into this. I understand the community. And I feel like I'm at that point with D&D where I'm just like, I get the, I get the appeal of this. This is awesome. I like I really want to play more. I got to get a game going. It, it is funny that, that you bring up wrestling because I was also like really into wrestling in high school and in middle school. And it's actually, I think there's a a pretty good parallel there because of the, like the startup cost and the initial investment that you have to make in that a rest, like if you watch SmackDown or you watch like a pay-per-view or something, it's like three hours. And even like one match can be very long and a lot of it can be kind of dull, but then there's like these super insane bits. And the same is kind of true with D&D. Like a D&D game is long and there are lots of stretches where like, kind of nothing happens and you're like trying to figure out rules and stuff once you make that little like acceptance of being in the space so like with D, it's buying into that you're in this world and that you're kind of pretending together and with wrestling it's buying into that like yeah this is quote unquote real you know you kind of have to like just make that investment and then you have fun but it's a high cost to make that investment like it's a big <laughs> jump sometimes for some people 100 percent right it's just like like checking whatever your preconceived notions were at the door and just being like, this is going to be awesome. You have to buy in, you have to fully commit and just like lean into the world. I think they have the same, they both have the same level of buy-in like improv. Mm-hmm. I mean, stand up, like all these things, all these things that we love magic. You just got to buy in. You got to like buy in really, <laughs> really just buy into it. And uh, yeah, I got to, I need to get a game going. I, I'm really itching to play. I've been like reading about it. I'm like super into it. I've loved your podcast. I'm just like, I'm ready to go. I got to get a game going. Let's do it. I, I, I feel like at any time of the past three or four years, I'm running like two to four simultaneous games. <laughs> I don't think that will change anytime soon. Yeah, people people listening to this podcast don't understand. You're getting just a fraction of Brian's content. He's generating yeah, it, so much that it's just disappearing into the ether. It, it's not like I'm also not playing this game for fun. 
it's I, a small fraction of what I'm doing is being recorded. And I think I'm just going to like slowly start recording all the things. Be like, you know what? Let's just I'll just have it as backup. We can just use it. You know, let's keep this content around. Exactly. Let's go ahead and take a look at the wheel of world building. Before we spin, take a look at the wheel. So there's a bunch of things on it. There are some kind of broad things like fashion, you know, celebrities. There are some names of like places down in one section. There's a bunch of names of people. These are some of the gods of this world. Is there anything jumping out at you as something you'd be interested in talking about or maybe something you want to avoid? Ooh, taboos sound fun. I love a good taboo. Both the foolish sounds good. I don't know. I don't think I'm scared of anything on here. You say that now. <laughs> Great works of art, I feel like, is going to be a snoozer. But everything else. <laughs> well, well the, the thing with great works of art, that it, why I'm interested in it, is because you can also talk about the history of things. So, like, when you think of the Mona Lisa, a lot of people are like, oh, it's, you know, Da Vinci's greatest piece. Then you can kind of talk about Da Vinci a little bit. But do you know the reason why the Mona Lisa is so famous? Because it, the eyes follow you and it's like you're in a haunted mansion. But even before people like got into the like, obviously, it's a great work of art. But the reason it got like so notorious was because it was stolen a number of times. Like it was stolen from museums oh. and then recovered. And because of that, each time it's kind of profile rose. And then, you know, it was obviously always like recognized as being a great work of art. But because its profile kept rising and rising, all of a sudden it is now, quote unquote, the Mona Lisa. Whereas before it was just, oh, yeah, the, you know, the Mona Lisa, that other painting by Da Vinci. Yeah, the one where that chick's smiling, kind of. Yeah, I think that's a good note as any. Go ahead and spin the wheel of world building. It's spinning, it's spinning. Let me know what you get. Ooh, Mondrak the All-Seeing. Mondrak Boy, with a catchy name all like that, seeing. you know it's going to be good. Okay, so Mondrak is one of the nine gods of this world. I like that he's all seeing and not just some seeing. He is indeed all seeing. So there are uh, nine gods in this world kind of representing the normal alignment structure. So chaotic, neutral, lawful, good, neutral, evil. Mondrak the all seeing is a lawful evil god of revenge and penance. Not only that, he is rather than being a kind of more normal class of god, like he's not a elf, dwarf, druid or something. He is a beholder. A beholder in D&D is like one of the classic terrifying monsters. And what it is, it's essentially a, a massive like sphere that has a giant eye and a giant mouth on it and then has 10 eye stalks coming out of it. And when you're like fighting it, each of those eye stalks does a different thing. So like some of them put you to sleep. Some of them disintegrate you. Some of them just kill you. Some of them petrify you. And then it's, it's big eye in the center. Anywhere it's looking is an anti-magic cone. So if it's looking at you, you're not able to like cast spells and things, but it has these other eye stalks that are like going around like shooting crazy fucking rays at your party. So he's going to be kind of a cool person to come up with some aspects of his, of his godhood about. So to start, like all of these nine gods were at one point mortals. They banded together for better or for worse to take on the Titans, were able to seal away the Titans and then through that act kind of ascended themselves to godhood. Beholders kind of in the D&D sphere are highly xenophobic, uh, but not even like xenophobic in the sense of they, they hate like other races or things. They hate everything, like every, everything that's not that beholder it thinks is inferior to it. So like even other beholders, it's like mm-hmm. you're not even the best beholder. I'm the best beholder. So there is like a true 
hierarchy. So this is definitely an evil creature, but there is a lawful aspect to it. Like there is a hierarchy and a a code that this thing kind of lives by. Let's get started with Mondrak. Where where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the kind of like, do you want to start with Mondrak himself and kind of like his vibe and look and stuff and like symbology? Or do you want to start with the people uh, who worship him? Let's start with with Mondrak himself. I think once we flush out the character, we'll start to understand how he impacts the world around him. Okay, Mondrak the all-seeing. So so we have a kind of a vague idea of what a beholder looks like. What are some interesting aspects of, what are some like distinctive aspects of Mondrak? Just physically first, before we kind of get into him on a more psychological level. Physically, I mean, he's a giant eyeball. I mean, my my biggest fear is a giant eyeball would be like a giant old contact lens. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like I I really like the idea of of Mondrak, like his main eye being like he's nearsighted or something. (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea of him having different contact lenses, maybe that he can like change, you know, and then maybe you have to sabotage him. You know, like the questers would need to like find his contact. I'm picturing like he kind of has like a bunch of different contact lenses. And they all have like different shapes. You know, he's got like cat eyes. He's got like Naruto stuff. He's just got, <laughs> got all these weird like eye colors and shapes. Right, right, right. And they just need to go in there and like throw some dirt in there or like tear the edge of one a little bit just so that it irritates him enough to like give them an advantage in battle. So does he have does he have a visual deficiency? Like, is he nearsighted, farsighted or something or have a you know stigmatism or is this purely cosmetic? Like, does he just want to change the look of his eye? I, it's definitely cosmetic. I think he has we can discuss, you know, I don't want to be judgmental of anybody's eyes here, but I, I think in general, he is disappointing eye to look at. I think people are like, oh, he is Mondrek, the, the all seeing. He's got to have like dazzling eyes. And then he just show up and he's just got kind of like dark brown eyes. And they're like, huh, this isn't exciting. So maybe he feels a little you know, self-conscious about his eye. That, that, that is a thing about a beholder because like most of their fucking face is their eye. So if you got a, a boring eye, like, man, you got a boring face. Yeah, it's underwhelming. And after a while, he gets tired of seeing like great heroes come to him, draw their swords. He appears and then they just kind of like sigh a little bit like <laughs> like, oh. like, oh, OK, well, I, I do like the, the, they come to the, the cave, whatever. Mondrek, the all seeing come for. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, we could do this still, I guess. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, oh, all right. And it's like, it's not. And then like his cone of like anti-magic is more of like kind of a cone of like giving up where they're just kind of (laughs) like, I don't really. Yeah, I Uh, guess he just looks at me and kind of takes the wind out of my sails. Yeah, it's more of just a bummer, Ray, than an (laughs) anti-magic Ray. (laughs) Yeah, it's just kind of a bummer, Ray. So and I think that really eats at him as somebody who sees himself as above everybody else. Mm hmm. Like the pity of lesser beings probably just like erodes at his self-conscious. So I think this I think the contact lens thing is like a closely guarded secret. I think it's like, you know, but his eyes okay. always look different and he takes great pride in it. And he loves scaring people with his different colored eyes. OK, so I, I want to kind of start talking about Mondrak personality, psychology wise. Sure, sure. Before he ascended to Godhood, along with the other gods, he and they were mortals and they like teamed up for better force to take on these titans and seal them away. At one point, he, he was still a beholder, but he was mortal. He wasn't godlike. And so I think it, it makes sense why he would want to seal away the titans, because they would be seen as like greater than him. But there is an aspect of he chose to work with these other people that he, seemed, that he sees as lesser or he sees as not as great as him. What 
was that like for him? And like, why did he make that decision to kind of join this band to defeat these Titans? Like, what, what was the what was the impetus behind that? So what what does godhood entail? Do you get like a crazy power up? Are you immortal now? What's yeah. the difference between early bo- like pre God beholder and now God beholder? So by ascending to godhood, a couple things happen. So one is you gain an immortality. The second is you gain power through worship. So like when mortals worship you in however you kind of see fit, that enhances your powers. And it also grants you the kind of the boon to be able to bestow powers upon others. So like in the way that clerics draw their powers from their god or, you know, warlocks could make a pact with the god, something like that. So it does take you to a like a new plane of existence of immortality and power. But the biggest aspect of it is, is that you are now drawing your life force from worshipers. So like if essentially like your worshipers all die out, you would lose this power or you would die or you would fall back to mortality. Um, so there is kind oh. of a necessity in godhood to cultivate a following, a, a, a worshipership. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So maybe he's living a life of, of shame as the ugliest beholder. And one of these gods or aspiring gods approaches him and convinces him that this would be a good idea. Like, you know, he's sitting at the nerd table in the cafeteria and one of the cool kids is like, (laughs) hey, man, you can do this. And then we even got just some some fancy contacts or whatever. So you can be less self-conscious about your brown eye. Let's roll. Let's do this. And along the way, he learns self-respect which eventually becomes overconfidence and cockiness. <laughs> and so it's a, it's like a uh, it's a hero's journey that ends with him ultimately being maybe the bad guy. I mean, he is evil, but he's he's lawful evil. Right. But I think he probably had a code then. And now it's become more of a vengeance code, you know, like mm-hmm. all these people were beneath me and now they are beneath me. Right. That kind of thing, if that makes sense. So talking especially with that that lawful aspect. So lawful in indeed doesn't necessarily always mean good. It can definitely mean bad, but it does mean that there is a code that this being or this person follows. It doesn't have to be the code of the land, it doesn't have to be the law, but it is some kind of internal code that they follow. What do you think is Mondorak's internal code like what is their through line what is their guiding path they hate bullies because when he was a young (laughs) beholder he got bullied a lot for his ugly eye i'm really milking this ugly eye thing for as much as it (laughs) as much as it's you gotta you gotta start somewhere (laughs) mondorak was bullied as a child he hates bullies and he's always known they were bad but now that he has the power to bully bullies he extorts it whenever he can he gets in there and he kicks their ass and all that stuff so i'm picturing maybe like a like a god, like a lawful evil god, but he just is intolerant of bullying. And so anytime somebody gets picked on, he like shows up, he sees it. Anytime there's bullying, he sees it. He's like an, an evil Santa Claus where like, I know when you're sleeping, I know when you're awake, when I see you bullying somebody, I come down there with my tentacles and put you to sleep or whatever weird tentacle magic I have. And that really works because he is, you know, the god of revenge and penance. Like he... Get, he gets back at you and he's going to pay you exactly what you what you deserve with Mondrek. What is his current relationship with the other gods? Is there a is there any other god that he is close with? Is does he kind of keep himself apart from the other gods? Is he actively in conflict with any of the other gods? What what's kind of his deal in the in the deity space? I'm picturing him pretty solitary, kind of okay. alone, maybe aloof and hard to get to and the other gods maybe aren't comfortable talking to him anymore 
maybe he's a dick. Maybe he's just not fun to be around. Right. But uh, he's probably really condescending now. He's probably thinks he's better than everybody else. I can't imagine he's a good hang. He's probably got like one God that's close to him. I feel like, right. We've got nine gods. There's one that can feel that feels like that does all the talking to him. You know, the other seven are like, Hey, Brian, you got to go talk to this guy or <laughs> Hey, uh, what are the other gods names? Mitzga. You got to go talk to him and okay. uh, you got to get, you got to get this big eye, that big <laughs> freak that over big here eye. for the potluck. And uh, he's like, I don't really want to do that. But then he goes over there and is like, hey, man, how's it going? And then they kind of have like a mutual respect. But like he's definitely annoyed with him. And, you know? and Mitzke the Generous is a fun person to pick because they're the you know, this <laughs> female gnomish chaotic good god of like generosity. So it's literally the exact opposite side of the alignment chart, uh, you know, lawful <laughs> evil to chaotic good. Uh, which I like, which yeah. like, you know, opposites just in some way attract and have a respect for each other in some weird way. We have talked a little bit about Mondrak the All-Seeing on a previous episode with Vivek Netrakanti. We talked about specifically like one of his holidays. And one of his holidays is, I think that we called it Mondrak's Day Out or something, Mondrak's Night Out or something. And on that day, once every like 20, 25 years, worshipers of Mondrak, who are pretty isolationist, sprout a third eye in the center of their forehead, which then is gifted to them like one of the powers of Mondrak. So one of like his 10 eye stalks powers is granted to each of his worshipers for like this one day. And like the worshipers then supposed to go out and like kill someone as like an offering as kind of a token of worship. When we think about worship of, of Mondrak, especially because it is like a source of power, like by being worshiped more, you essentially gain more power. What are the ways both like kind of day to day and, you know, big sacrifice ways what are the ways that Mondrak is worshipped, you know, from the smallest ways to like kind of the height of worship? Hmm. I think it's a lot of groveling. It's a lot of ass kissing. It's a lot of bowing. It's a lot of like very subservient, like, you know, mm. self-sacrifice. It's a lot of like, oh, my God, you're so cool. Oh, my God, you're so great. Wow, you look so good today. Wow, your eye looks very colorful <laughs> and nice today. It's just a lot of like, <laughs> right, know, right. like co- compliments and very flowery language. I love the idea of them getting powers for the day and getting an eye and like i'm also picturing it's his all of his followers are also like i don't know ugly eyed people or i don't know what <laughs> I, keep saying ugly, I don't know what an ugly eye is i feel like everybody's eyes are pretty nice but like maybe whatever but not whatever these eyes, people not these guys <laughs> whatever eyes mondorak has his followers maybe over time their eyes start to fade or whatever like as they worship oh, okay him. sure you know, if they're like bright and green eyed, then that slowly fades to like kind of a dull color, like over time as they get closer to them. And then and then the eye that opens up in their head is like blindingly bright or whatever. And I'm picturing also maybe more about this like bullying thing is like kind of injustice, like evil injustice is something that they are against. So I don't know, maybe like the mayor who collects too many taxes and right. and bullies a farmer or something like that. Like that's the person who gets slaughtered on Moderex day out, but maybe even more petty than that. I feel like, you know, like just exploiting people isn't enough, like taking too many taxes isn't enough. Right. It would have to be like, you know, insulting their house or something like that. You live in this hovel. This hovel has to have more gold for our king or whatever. Like, right, right. I don't know. I, I, that kind I do, of thing that really brings down his vengeance. I do like the aspect of especially in like a lawful God that the worship of them would be very ritual. So it would be this like daily or hourly prayer and groveling and stuff just because it's so like regimented and like 
in this kind of like lawful way. And yeah, and, and the idea of it's almost like he hates bullies, but the worship of the, the worship aspect comes not from like justice being given, but from revenge being paid out from penance being paid. Yes. Which is fun because it's like you're, it's the same thing, but you're focusing on the bad aspect of it. It's like, yes, there is justice, but we don't care about that. as We just care about the revenge. We care about the act <laughs> of penance. Yes. Yes. And I also I also like the idea of his followers being solitary. I think you mentioned that, mm-hmm. which kind of goes into the character we've been building so far where they're they're solitary, maybe isolationist like their worship, I feel like is very private mm-hmm. and like solitary. But I also think there's probably an element of needing to observe right oh sure he's he's the all-seeing so they are maybe not developing connections with people but they need to be like you know kind of hoods up like venturing through the town observing the comings and goings they need to be aware of what's going on in the town around them because once a year they're going to need to kill whoever the worst person in their area is and this and this really goes into your evil santa idea like i see you when you're sleeping i know when you're awake I, if it's the god of revenge and penance, he should know when there is something to be vengeful and penitent for. Yes, definitely, definitely. And his followers can report back to him. You know, maybe that's part of their thing is describing the injustices that they've seen. This, this now feels like a very this a, a little bit like the Punisher. Like there's a there's a real like vigilante <laughs> aspect, but really focusing on the like the dark aspect of vigilantism rather than like, Oh, it's for, it's not, it's not definitely not Spider-Man. It's not for justice and good. It is the pun. Like we're going to punish and get vengeance on anyone who deserves it. Yes. Yes. It's vengeance. And it's, and you're right. And it's, and it's petty justice. It's not, it's not necessarily like killing the man. Like it's not necessarily killing the King who was oppressing the people. It's like, it's killing like the more petty people like down the down the line right. killing the tax examples man who's, who's collecting the taxes <laughs> right it's shooting the messenger as opposed to you know maybe maybe somebody who would actually have consequence i do really like the idea of a beholder being evil santa claus it's great <laughs> I, now, now i'm just picturing beholder in like a red santa hat you're just flying through the town you know eye stalking the fuck out of people one of the other things we should talk about for a beholder really for any god is we have kind of the way that he's worshipped and kind of who his worshippers are. What is, however, the symbol of Mondrak? Like, if you, what is the the sigil or or the symbol, the symbology that people who worship him would emblazon on themselves or like show to each other to represent that they are worshippers? What would that look like? It has to be an eye, right? Has to be an so eye. So have to at least start maybe, with the eye. It has to at least look like an eye. I'm kind of thinking three circles inside of each other right one circle and then like your pupil and then like whatever the smaller part is like the the eyeball the the color the iris and then the pupil maybe it's like three circles and then maybe like lines outside of that but i think it's like the three circles are probably a pretty apt symbol okay i don't know what else what else there are maybe it's just a santa hat (laughs) maybe 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 it's like no i honestly (laughs) i I think I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with going simple and obvious because like if it's a Mondrak, the all seeing and he has 10 eye stalks and a big eye kind of got to be an eye. I like that. I think, too, because then maybe like you can tell his followers it's like it's not like a brand necessarily, mm-hmm. but you see like if you look at their house, you see like some kind of an ornament is like a smaller circle which is like in like the like I don't know, you could maybe see it in the furniture or the way things are set up. Oh, okay, right? sure. Where like it's a it's a stop sign in front of a 
like a dream catcher, which is or like a dream catcher, which is in front of like a stop sign, which is in front of like a target or so, something. So, so I'm, I'm thinking almost like I don't know if you've seen those like forced perspective videos where from the yes. side, it's just like a bunch of gack and you move to a certain thing and it says a message. Right. We're like if something lines up and you can see like from this angle, it's a small circle in a bigger circle in a bigger circle. Then that's like maybe a directional marker or like the sign that this oh, is the way he sure, needs to sure, face sure. or something like that. Yeah. Well, this is how you find another one of these worshipers or it's a signal that they're here. Yeah, I really I really like this idea of this forced perspective, because I would imagine if you are a worshiping a lawful evil God of revenge and penance and are like the, you know, holy version of a narc for the Punisher. You don't really want everyone to necessarily know that you are this thing, but you also want to be able to communicate to other members of this organization that you are involved. So having this kind of hidden symbology that is also like very like a, cir- a circle within a circle within a circle isn't a that could exist in the world. Whereas like if you had this crazy sigil with a bunch of weekly lines and stuff like that's very no that's very noticeable. But with something more subtle like this, this circle, this rings within rings thing. If you're if you're not looking for it, you might not see it. But if you're looking for it, it becomes very obvious. It's subtle, but it's not naturally occurring, right? Like how many naturally occurring circles are there? Right. right, right. They're just there aren't trees don't grow in circles or whatever, usually. So it is it does need to be set up. I think it's good where it's like it's that line of like it's super subtle. It's a basic shape, but it's not naturally occurring. So like it's intentional. There's intentionalness behind it. And maybe that's also mixed in with like, I don't know, wind chimes or something where I'm picturing like you know, a circle, like a ring with like two smaller rings inside of it and kind of like twists in the then there's maybe there's some like mythology around like parents telling their kids like, you know, better not bully anyone at school or moderate right. all seeing will come get you. And then they maybe have like a some kind of like a like a tacky. I'm picturing like, you know, like if it, if the more blatant the circles are, like the mm. tackier it is and it's like the more like kind of superstitious it is. But then the worshipers take it like that extra level of like more subtle forced perspective right, right, right. imagery. I'm really just thinking of, you know, some mom telling her kid, you know, at night, you know, he sees when you're a meanie, he knows when you're a dick. <laughs> Better be careful. <laughs> be good for goodness sake. Perfect. I'm loving Mondrak. I've got one or, one or two more little things I want to, I want to flesh out with Mondrak. Let's do it. One of them is when these gods rose up and defeated the Titans, each of them was given, each of them commissioned a weapon or an item or some kind of magical thing uh, that was built specifically for them that helped them to defeat the Titans. It could be a weapon or like some kind of armor or it could be some kind of arcane focus or some, some kind of like, you know, it could really be anything, but they, they had it specifically built for them. What kind of item would Mondrak commission to have built that is his like ultimate weapon? I'm thinking it's it's either it's got to be one of two things. It's either a giant Santa hat. Okay. <laughs> that is maybe some kind of like a wrecking ball or like the, like the 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 ball at the end is some maybe he swings it around like a mace or maybe it like kind of protects him or maybe it's like an like an extra like a heavier tentacle that just like is a bludgeoning sure. thing on the top or like an army of reindeer. He just somehow has <laughs> control of <laughs> I mean, of reindeer. I, I mean, it could be both. It could be the hat is then useful to control 
you know, wildlife and animals and stuff like that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe putting on the hat, he, like he puts on the hat and then all the rain, all the deer and animals just like sit up and the eye just appears on their head. Oh, that's fucking sick. I also like that idea because then not only do you have a swarm of reindeer, they have this third eye and each of those third eyes has one of these like ray type things. And maybe it's not as powerful as like, you know, a beholder death ray, but it's still like fucking something that's now shooting up at these guys. I like that a lot. I like the idea of him. Maybe there's something, maybe that feeds into his like once a year, he's empowering everybody thing. Mm hmm. Right. Because this this seems different than empowering his followers. Right. This is kind of controlling or manipulating animal life or like lesser forms of intellect. Right. Ooh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the hat grants him the ability to control people, but maybe like humans are just like a little too advanced yeah, to I be fully manipulated. Or maybe his followers, when they do receive the eye, they are manipulated by him and he just does like controls them a little bit more or, or, their, or their influence is greater or something like that. I don't know. I want to differentiate between these seem like similar abilities, but so, how do we differentiate the animals from the human beings on worship night? So, so I'm thinking of it in a, in a D and D mechanical sense. And what, what I think this would be is this, this hat would be some kind of like would essentially cast like a dominate person spell or a dominate creature spell, which for creatures or beasts that have a low intelligence score. So like deer, fish, birds, lions, it would automatically succeed. Yes. Whereas humans or elves or dwarves or, they, or like more sentient creatures that have higher intellect scores, they would then have to roll a saving throw to try to like resist this thing. But I could definitely see this thing being a essentially like a cap that casts dominate person, dominate monster, whatever, and then also grants them this like beholder ability. And for if he chooses to do it to an animal, it just happens. Because they can't possibly resist like the thrall of a god, an all-seeing god. But a mortal being that is more sentient has a chance to at least save. However, the, the difficulty class, the DC on that saving throw is going to be extremely high. Right. Or maybe lowered by the act of worship. You're like consenting. Oh, yeah. To be, oh, yeah. You can definitely like you can yeah. definitely choose to fail that saving throw and just give yourself over. But right, Monrek right. can also like try to take over a willing person or mm, a, a, a yeah. take over an unwilling person. I like this. I like this a lot. Yeah. So he's rolling into the, like the Titan battle with just an army of four. He's like the Aquaman of land. He yeah, just yeah. has every, <laughs> every land creature. He's got bats and squirrels and shit rolling up with their third eye. And, and it is fun because it is a, especially like a beholder is very powerful and has, you know, all these eye rays, but is like one thing. All of a sudden when you spread out that influence over a bunch of like creatures and beasts and worshipers and humans and stuff that becomes so much scarier. Cause it's just like more of these eye stalks that might just be a sleep ray or might be a petrification or death ray or like who, you know, who the hell knows? Yes. Yes. Very cool. What I always like to do with these items is give them their, their cool power but also give them like one kind of very minor magic power. So mm. say it was a cape, like maybe the cape, you know, grants you plus three to your AC and like does all this cool shit, but also like you can just command it to billow in the breeze. What, what is like a small, like a little bonus magical feature that Mondrak would have wanted on this thing? I don't know. Can it give him feet or something? Can it give him feet? <laughs> 
Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I didn't come up with something better, but part of me is just like a giant floating eye. It's just like how it just seems so feet just seems so less powerful than like the ability to just kind of like float and have all these tentacles and then it just makes him stationary. I don't know. There's something funny to me about an eyeball with feet. Um, <laughs> I was <laughs> my other thought was like maybe it smells good. Okay. Maybe he smells good. Maybe it's just like you're just like it smells good. And maybe that's maybe that's kind of part of the eye thing is like his worshipers are like the first thing you when when he's trying to control your mind, you just smell something great. Like maybe like a memory, like something from your childhood. You smell like, okay, mom's cooking like as a child. And you're just like, huh, that smells pretty good. But other times it's like, oh, that's the that's the uh, that's the Mondrak tempting you. Right. I like that. I like that there's that it's just a sweet smelling hat just like kind of taps into anyone's memory and gives them like the good smell that they want. Yeah. So if you're an adventurer and you're about to fight this guy, you're like in a in, in a dungeon somewhere. And then all of a sudden you start smelling something like really nice. And you're, you're like, like oh, oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Do you guys smell bread? Oh, no. No, I smell uh, chocolate. Oh, I smell shit. coffee. Oh, God. <laughs> we have to get out of here. That was going to be my last question, but I feel like this begs a follow up. When Mondrak smells whatever this hat gives off, what is the smell that Mondrak smells like? What is the what is his sweetest smell? Oh, oh, my God, that's really good. I think it has to be something associated with maybe the other gods like they've they recruited him for this mission to take on the Titans. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe they share a meal together or before the final battle, they're in a field and he just remembers the way the grass smelled that day. Just there's this moment of acceptance. Okay. I think maybe he kind of clings to that. And maybe I think maybe he's ashamed of that because that's not how he lives his life. Now he was bullied and now he was accepted briefly. And now he thinks he's better than everybody else. And he's like distanced himself again. And is kind of an isolationist. But his best memory is that moment when he was part of something bigger than himself, like giving himself to something. Right now he is bigger than himself by subjugating people and he's building people underneath himself like that's how he grows bigger. But there was a moment when he was a part of something that was bigger as opposed to, you know, being the bigger thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And and like having that kind of you know, very distinct memory locked to a smell is like really, it's really true to life. Like if, you know, if I'm walking around New York and I smell a certain thing every now and then you get that flash of memory. Yeah. Like, like how you, you're walking in New York and you walk by some flowers and then you realize that the rest of the city just smells like shit because these like yeah, five yeah, yeah. flowers smell <laughs> so good by comparison. <laughs> like maybe also if this is, if they're getting their weapons for the final battle, Maybe it's the thing he's smelling when he first puts it on. Right. He received a gift. This gift is a token of you being a part of us. We put it on and you just smell like the grass. Just something about like like the fresh cut. I mean, that fresh cut grass Mm -hmm. smell. But these are just like the woods or wherever they were at the time. Maybe like a little bit of incense or something. Right. Like that smell of him putting the hat on initially. That's what he smells because that's his like best moment. Maybe the maybe the only gift he's ever received was this weapon that he was going to use. To, to fight these guys. That sounds great. I love it. Perfect. Before we move on to the lightning round, is there anything else you want to add on to this Christmas tree of Mondrak? Any little tidbits or doodads <laughs> you want uh, while you have this power to control one of the gods? You're saying Christmas tree makes me think like his followers definitely have Christmas trees. 
(laughs) (laughs) They have Christmas trees. And I'm also picturing like the little balls. Yeah. Right. Like all the little like the ornaments. It'd be perfect to just have like circles. You just like put different. Yeah. They already kind of look like the body of a boulder. Yeah. So you're just like, I don't know. I remember I feel like back in, I don't know, the origins of the Christmas tree wasn't like fruit and stuff. So maybe like oranges are in the tree or just anything round. You just decorate the tree with anything round. I also like the idea of like, you know how you said before there was like the, you know, the force perspective, like three circle thing that would kind of like lead you somewhere in my head. I'm almost thinking it would lead you to like a secret door or something. And inside the secret door is like the like the altar at, w- at which these people worship. And it's just like a mini Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, yeah. like you know, if we want to cert- like tie that back to Mondrak a little bit, maybe pine tree, maybe like that smell is the smell of like, yes. that's where he got the hat was in this pine forest. And that's now why the pine tree was chosen as like part of that's his, really his good. Worship. I really like that a lot. I yeah. The pine tree. So love every every worshiper being required to have like a tiny tree that they decorate somewhere <laughs> in their house is also so fun. Just these like scary guys who are infiltrating neighborhoods and observing everybody and never fully be in like growing bonds with people. Just right. having a little tree that they take yeah, care I, of. Is I like that they open up their, you know, their secret hideaway and all of a sudden the twinkle lights come on. You just hear ding, 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 <laughs> ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. <laughs> the other the, the other thought I had now was maybe all the they're like if they're in the woods, you see a bunch of these like three circles in each other mm-hmm. and that leads deeper into the woods and deeper into the woods or whatever. And then you just come upon a big clearing where there's a giant tree. And maybe once a year they all come out and sing like the who's down in Whoville and they all just hold hands and circle the tree. And then they just sing like, you know, da, who, ray, who, whatever for Mondrak, the all seeing da, 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 da. And they just do that every once in a while. I love it. This is it's so fun to like take a monster that is truly like one of the like evilest and scariest guys and give him like, you know, a little bit of a backstory that is like, oh, this is why he's that way. But also then just make the evilness cute in a way. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. hey, you know, having a Christmas tree adorned as we see a Christmas tree. But then also knowing that, like, all of the orbs on it represent death, destruction, revenge and penance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then once a, once a year they go and they just slaughter somebody in like a really graphic way. Yeah. yeah they the, find, the, they <laughs> there is very much a thing where like a part of this religion, like one of the highest forms of, you know, worship is to kill someone who has done wrong. It's like, oh, OK, this, yeah. now we're getting back to the evilness of this guy. So this is then my question is, what are the legal ramifications for this person when they kill someone? Is it are they investigated? Part of me was thinking, you ever hear about there's like that one. There's like some town. There's like some documentary about this town Mm -hmm. where there was just a guy that everybody hated and he committed crimes and was never they couldn't convict him for whatever reason. And so somebody in the town shot him in like the middle of the town square. And they nobody knows who did it because everyone in the town was like, we're not telling anyone because we all hated this guy. and We're all (laughs) glad he's dead. You know, I'm kind of picturing that's how like these towns are where there's just like some guy there is just a huge dick. And then one day he shows up and he's just like, you know, gutted. And people are just like, <laughs> and they I find some like, yeah, they find some circles on him, and everyone in the town just like looks and then like walks away and doesn't like say anything or doesn't report anything. And anytime somebody investigates, they like just don't say anything to incriminate this guy, but they probably all know it's kind of him. Right, right. 
I don't know what the yeah. legal I gotta think this isn't a like legal religion or this isn't like a legal <laughs> act. This is definitely vigilante justice. Right, right. So I don't know. I feel great about Monrack. That feels very cool. We got a lot of cool little tidbits and doodads on there. On this show, we have two segments. The first segment is the Wheel of World Building. The second, of course, is Lightning Round. This is the segment where we ask three questions very quickly and we answer them at a slow, meandering pace. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So first question, in regards to Mondrak and the Worshippers of Mondrak, what is a rumor that is currently go, going around about either Mondrak or about the people who worship him? Um, I was, I was going to say they smell bad. That's, that's <laughs> dumb. The rumor is that they smell bad, but they actually smell really good. And like the whole thing is they smell good. Maybe the rumor, I think the rumor, I'm trying to think of like a negative rumor because already I think it's kind of, there is this mythos around him that he's always watching and like, mm-hmm. that's the rumor. And you tell kids like, Oh, Mondrak, he's always watching. You better not bully anybody because Mondrak, Oh, you, don't make fun of the way your sister's dressed because Mondrak will hate that. You know, mm-hmm. like don't say you don't like the color of that, the neighbor's house because Mondrak will be really upset about this. Right. right. Got a rumor. Maybe, maybe something like, like they, they don't have eyes or something. I keep coming back to the eye. I mean, he's a giant eye guy. So like maybe they all they can't see or something is the rumor. They're all blind and they're not actually blind, but like their eyes, their eyes dim, but they're not blind. They can still see their eyes get kind of like snow blind or like they're milky or something. Maybe that's like yeah. an ask, like if you worship Mondrak for long enough, like your eyes start to turn that color. Yeah. Yeah. I like something like that. Cool. Second question. What is the name of a person in this world kind of relating to or of Mondrak? And what is the most interesting thing about them? Either a characteristic, a physical feature, a quirk. What's the name of a person and what's the most interesting thing about them? Chris. And he uh, <laughs> lives in, the, he's just a toy maker and he's just on a, on a, on a mountain <laughs> and he just makes, and he makes a bunch of toys and he doesn't give them to anybody. He's just a real perv for toys. <laughs> and he's just, you go in his house, it's full of toys and he doesn't want to give them to anybody. He just loves making toys. I love it. <laughs> Fuck. Chris. <laughs> Fucking. It, and is this, is this a K-R-I-S or is this a C-H-R-I-S? I think it's all three. Um <laughs> It's just a bunch of a C, a CH, a K. It's just all of them. It's just a bunch of a bunch of stuff at the beginning of Riss. And, uh, <laughs> and, he's, and he's a real he's a, for toys. he's a real freak for toys and living in the mountains and the snow. And, uh, you know, maybe if you venture up there, he'll give you one. But it's like, you know, it's a real trek. Yeah, it's a real trek. It's a real pain in the ass. It's very Hansel and Gretel, you know, like you venture into the woods. There's a candy house. Maybe you can get a piece of candy if you visit the house. But really, there's a guy who's going to just like eat you in the name of Mondrak if you try and take his toys. The third question I have is a two part question. I always like to end the show by allowing our current guest to ask any question they have about the world, big or small, for our next guest to answer. Last week, we actually had on Tim Platt and he had this question for you. What was the one song that changed the world? You know, and like that, you can take that seriously in terms of like a. Uh actually had some like material thing to change the world or was like, what was the, I want to hold your hand or uh, something like that. Like what, what was like, and give me the story of the musician. Give me the contours of why that song was such a big deal, mm-hmm. how it affected culture, you know, whatever happened to that musician, would they have a big career after that? You know, I don't know. Or they one hit wonder. Yeah. This is in the world or this, this is like a personal world, question yeah. for my life. I oh, know this is with, within the world of, of the fractured realms. 
Okay, either way, it's Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. In the world and out of it, it's the definitive thing. I think it's like, you know, his worshipers are like really into it. And I'm just picturing them all praying and being like, there's a place off Ocean <laughs> Avenue where I used to sit and talk with you. But it's like, I don't know, haunted or maybe it's ghostly or maybe that's what they sing. When they're all whovilling it up around the giant Christmas tree, they just they just sing like a like an acoustic version, a version of Ocean Avenue. Was this song is this this song popular for everybody or is it like a small song like just Mondrag found and now all his followers love, but no one else gets? Is it universally beloved or is it beloved by a very vocal sect of people? I think it's like got kind of like Sweet Caroline status where it's like everyone knows it. Okay, sure. You know, you never you never just like put it on, but like everybody like you play like someone like someone that sings at a karaoke and everyone kind of groans, but then like sings along with it. Right, right, right. I think that's like the mass appeal. I think that's how the world views it. But for his worshipers, they're just like really into it. And they also love Yellow Card. Yellow Card is a band in in this (laughs) world. It's a bunch of like bards and stuff. And they're just like they're surfers. I don't know. Is surfing exist in this world? Are there a lot of beaches yeah. in this world? Yeah, there's beaches. Okay. Maybe they, I don't know. How do we make it like D&D? Maybe they like snow surf or something. They're just snowboarders. I don't know. There's something that they're just always riding stuff. They're just, they always stand on things to ride them. They stand on the back of horses. If you're a surfer and you have any kind of magic, you're just making fucking monster waves left and right and rocking these waves. Yeah, they're like, yeah, they just make waves constantly. Any body of water, they try and make some waves and they surf out of there. And that's that's their whole thing. But they're a great band. People love them, but they're kind of tired of them, except for except for the followers of of Mondorak. Okay. And then the second part of that question is, what is a question you have about this world, big or small, for our next guest to answer? Ooh, um, my question is, what's something that people do for fun? Like what? How do they pass the time? What are they doing? It's it's Friday night. They just got done in the fields. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be home for two hours. What am I going to do for fun? I mean, you can drink. You can you can do whatever. But like we're going down to the tavern to do what? We're meeting up with the boys in a field. We're circling the wagons. We're going to stand out in the field and do what? Like, what are they? What are they doing? I love it. I don't know the answer to that. We'll have to find out next week. Uh, and to steal a line from Walter Cronkite, that's the way it is, ladies and gentlemen. Load up all that lore, fire into the fractured realms. That is all for this episode of Cannon Fodder. Tim, before we get out of here, anything you want to plug? Uh, you want to tell the people where they can find you? Oh, you can find me on uh, Instagram. It's really the only thing I use nowadays. Uh, Tim Keck forever, all platforms. And uh, also check out my podcast with Kevin Bauer, a real favorite of the 20-sided podcast Mm -hmm. Uh, we host a podcast called nerdy for 30 where we discuss nerdy-ish things for 30-ish minutes there's also a dirty rumor going around that my solo podcast come at me show will be making a return in the new year i can neither confirm nor deny that but uh it's probably gonna happen so like and subscribe that get ready for my big solo debut and that's it brian thank you so much for having me man this was great 
Thanks for being here, man. And if everyone wants to see all of today's world building put into action, you can check out our parent show, The 20 Sided Podcast, season two of which, uh, titled Prisoners of the Static, is airing now. And you can also find all 11 episodes of our first season titled Escape from the RMS Titanfall, available on all podcasting services you can imagine. If you're listening to this podcast now, you know exactly how to get podcasts. Type in 20 Sided Podcast to your search bar. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. But for now, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.